to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com i am so excited to partner with omgs for this episode in this episode we talk about the crucial importance of a pleasure practice and one of my favorites is omgs you can get 10 percent off now at omgs.com slash s and s I have used them and been referring clients, friends, and lovers to OMGS for years. OMGS is a website where you can discover more sexual pleasure in under five minutes. In partnership with Indiana University and Kinsey Institute researchers, OMGS interviewed and surveyed tens of thousands of people with vulvas about what's made their pleasure better, physical techniques, psychological techniques, and ways of guiding partners, a true slutty scholar intersection. All of these research findings are brought to life in fun, honest videos of regular folks sharing from their own experience about what works for them. While the videos are about folks with vulvas, OMGS is for everyone who cares about more pleasure, including women, partners, and couples. Even if you feel like you are a pleasure expert and know what you like, I think it is always great to try on new techniques and ideas to keep things curious and interesting. Here's where OMGS comes in. I always end up finding something new, and that, I feel like, has allowed me to really expand my own pleasure potentials. OMGS is not a subscription site. It is a one-time payment, and you can get 10% off now at OMGS.com dot com slash s and s your contribution even goes on to fund future pleasure research learn more at omgs.com slash s a n d s omgs.com slash s and s that's 10 percent off at omgs.com slash s and s thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another season of Sluts and Scholars. In case you haven't heard, I am trying things a little differently this time around. I am doing monthly themes, sort of like mini seasons. The month of September will be back to the basics, kind of like going back to school, but hopefully with more sex. I know some of you slutty scholars are advanced and some of you are just baby sluts tuning in for the first time, but I think it is always good to slow down and come back to the basics. Even when you think you know it all, there's always more to learn and be curious about. In this episode, my guest and I talk about the importance of a pleasure practice, pleasure as an act of resistance, good girl conditioning, cannabis and parenthood, and how to feel more deserving of pleasure as a human right. Enjoy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm excited to welcome Reba C. Thomas, aka Reba the Diva. She is a sex and pleasure educator and cannabis advocate, specializing in sexual health education, content creation, resource development, and marketing and communications. Reba is the CEO and founder of Sexpert Consultants, LLC, and co-founder, principal consultant at 38 Creative Media Group. Reba is a member of Women of Sex Tech and has also served as an ambassador for the American Sexual Health Association and Planned Parenthood of Metropolitan Washington. Reba attended Howard University and received sexual health education training through Indiana University's Center for Sexual Health Promotion. Welcome, Reba. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. How would you say your current pleasure practice is with yourself? 
Ooh, okay. So I my pleasure practice is very basic right now um, because it had gotten really elaborate and I realized that my perfectionism was kind of sneaking into oh, it. And, I know that vibe. <laughs> yeah, starting to like spiral and I wasn't really doing much of a pleasure practice, right? And so um, right now my pleasure practice is really about listening to my body, right? Mm-hmm. When I wake up in the morning and before I go to bed every night, I sit and I listen to my body and I listen to what it's telling me. Like sometimes I feel like "Mm, my lips are chapped. I need water. Right. Or "Mm, my back is aching. I'm going to take a bath or like a shower, like something relaxing. Right. Uh. Or I'm feeling like really like anxious. I'm going to have a glass of wine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Doctor, doctor approved. That's what, which one should do. (laughs) So like I, but I've been listening to my body uh, and literally just sitting for about 10, maybe 15 minutes and just sitting with my body and like trying to ex- like experience it and wonder, okay, what does it need right now? What is it telling me? I mean, I think that's so important because whenever I talk to people about like prioritizing pleasure, I think they immediately go to sex and yeah. something sex related. And so really making sure that we like expand the definition of what that is into like a pleasure practice, as opposed to pleasure doesn't have to mean like a masturbation practice. It can be that, um, sure. but it can be so many things. I would say mine, mine fluctuates. It goes up and down depending on like how much energy I have and like what's going on in the rest of my life. And Sometimes I feel shame about that, especially given the work that I do um, and what I try to support clients on. But I think it helps me remind clients that this is a muscle and that this is a work in progress to commit to that practice. And it changes over time. I would say when I do do it, mine is also paying attention to my body. I try in the morning, I do like a little... um, what's called like a PIES check-in. It's just an acronym. The P stands for physically. The I is intellectually. So like your quality of your thoughts. Uh, The E is emotionally and the S is spiritually. Um, So I try to do that check-in with myself. And then I try to do something really small that is just for me before I do anything for anybody else. My dogs, my partner, my emails, um, whether that's like making sure I have something good to drink or like listening to a song I really like, um, but doing something for me that's just for pleasure, not goal oriented first uh, before anybody else. But it is hard to keep that. So like, what have you found is helpful for you to prioritize a pleasure practice and like, and, and keep sticking with it? So the one thing that I find myself coming back to often is um, my nightly foot rub. Oh, yeah. So I a self foot rub or somebody from somebody else. Self foot rub. Now, sometimes, you know, I'm modeling the behavior that I find pleasurable. So sometimes my partner will say, Hey, let me do that for you. Right. Yeah. But I would I'm prefer like, that. I want, I want them to give me a nightly foot rub. <laughs> but like it kind of took modeling, like, this is what I want for myself. So I do it for myself. And then my partner is like, Oh, oh, this is what you really, like, this is what you want because I want it so bad that I'm willing to give it to myself. Right. <laughs> Um, I yeah, I don't need you to be the gatekeeper of my fucking foot rub. No, I can do that. And like, I use this really nice oil that I get that I put like essential oils in. And so it smells really good. And anyway, I just do my feet. Like sometimes I like to do my whole body, but who has time for that? I have kids. So um, <laughs> I, I'll put it on my feet and then I'll put some really fuzzy, like really soft socks on. Mm. And that's my thing. That's my one thing that I, I do that. for me 
like on a consistent basis, especially like in the winter months. Uh, I my room is located in the bottom of my house, so like it's cold often. So I'm this is like my just I don't know. I feel yeah. safe, warm, and happy and pleasurable in my little socks. So <laughs> I, I liked what you said about the like I don't have time for that. I have kids because. I think a lot of people say they don't have time for something like this, right? And and yeah, maybe they really don't, but I think a pleasure practice can be one minute. I think it's just having, yeah, five minutes, one minute, like just having that intentionality um, to me is what's most important. So if someone says they don't have time, like that's bullshit. You, you have 30 seconds, you have a minute. And if you don't, like you need to work on some other things. Well, I think people... Um give the allow they have time for what they allow time for right like whenever i'm having conversations with folks who told me they don't have time you didn't have time to have this conversation with me but here we are right <laughs> we have time for what we make time for yeah uh, and so i think it's important that we my mom always says that it is impossible to pour into others with an empty cup mm-hmm. and i find that that's what helps me prioritize that self-care and that pleasure for myself because if I don't, I don't have as much energy and as much bandwidth to do the things that I need to do for other folks. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the main barriers that I see for clients and things is people saying that, well, I can't do that until I do this. Um, And it's usually, I would say for me around like a survival kind of trauma thing where people are like, well, I, that's sort of a luxury, like pleasure is a luxury. I need to do this other thing before I can get to that. Um, Why is a pleasure practice essential and not just a luxury? Oh man. Okay. This is such a good question. Uh, So I live in a world, especially as a black woman, right? Where there are so many things that are seeking to rob me of my joy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that oppress us, right? Uh, as women, we are oppressed as or women identifying folks as, but especially as a Black woman, right? Yeah. It, it is a form of resistance to me to prioritize pleasure, right? Um, because we live in a world where we are taught to put everything and everyone else before us. And we're taught that our pleasure is frivolous, right? What I found, and I think the teaching of teachings of Audrey Lord have really helped me. Yes. But what I found is that when we pursue pleasure, we live more full and erotic lives, right? And when I say erotic, I don't mean erotic in the sense of like, Oh, sexual and like desirable and lustful, but I I mean it in the sense that Audrey Lord means it when she talks about it in the uses of the erotic, where it's really the the deepest seated pleasure that drives us, right? It's yeah, that- and for for listeners and scholars out there, definitely go check out the works of Audrey Lord. Kind of the the shortened quote is about like self care being an act of resistance. Yes, when I think about pleasure, I don't think about it as this like frivolous thing, right? I think about it as look the thing that I get from my job, right? I think about it in like in having these conversations with you and with people like you. Yeah. Uh, uh in um like playing with my kids and making art in singing in dancing and using my body and feeling my body in my pleasure practice, right? Mm-hmm. This is where we can find the erotic and there's power there. 
right? There's power to really connect with yourself and your deepest desires. And when you're driven by your deepest desires, we feel a lot more fulfilled in our lives. Uh, But we have to get past all the the frou-frou, right? The, okay, I want a bubble bath. Like, no, but what do you really deeply desire? Like, what is that? What's driving that? And it starts with what we feel in our body. Yeah. Anything that was helpful for you to start tapping into that, especially as you're saying as maybe someone in a in a marginalized place that wasn't maybe given permission um, from our culture to do that? Oh, man. I think um, ooh, there was a book. I'm sorry. I'm a big book nerd. So oh, please. We got lots of book people <laughs> listening out there. I'm I'm a, an audio book person now myself. Same. No. So I don't I don't really have the time to like sit down and read books like I used to. But I have lots of driving time. And so mm-hmm. audiobooks are great. I'm an audible girl. Um, but so Audible, sponsor the podcast. Hey. <laughs> so there is a wonderful activist out there right now named Adrienne Marie Brown. And mm-hmm. she wrote a book called Pleasure Activism. Yes. And um, I read that book and felt so connected to it. I felt like I could have written it myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just coming from like where she comes from as a black queer identifying woman and, um, oh man, it, it opened my eyes to even like why I'm doing this work. Right. I was teaching blowjob classes when I read this book. Uh, and I was like, you know, thinking that, okay, the work that I do, yes, I can see how it's transformative in nature, but I really didn't realize the power that comes with the knowledge that I'm um, giving folks, right? And so uh, in reading that book, I realized not only is there power here uh, in in the knowledge, but there's also power in the application of it, right? Power in the joy that we receive in sexual pleasure, especially when as Black folks, we are hypersexualized, right? So Mm -hmm. we fall under this conditioning that, um, and this isn't just for, for black women or black people, this is for all folks, right? Especially people who identify as women. Um, it's good girl conditioning, mm-hmm. right? So Kashia Urbaniak has a book called Unbound, A Woman's Guide to Power. And she talks a lot about kind of power dynamics and how we are conditioned, especially as women, as people who identify as women, because good girls don't right? Mm -hmm. Good girls don't do blowjobs. Good girls don't talk about sex. Good girls girls are good hostesses and care about the everybody else. Exactly. And so we find ourselves kind of rebelling against this good girl conditioning because it is directly against our happiness and our pleasure many times. Uh, And so I find that when we can kind of recognize that, how that good girl conditioning kind of shows up in our lives, um, how perfectionism shows up in our lives. I think that's really, that was the turning point for me, Mm -hmm. right? Recognizing that this is a lot deeper than just sex, right? Or than just mm, pleasure, right? This is about joy. This is about being connected to yourself. Um, This is about feeling power in that connection. Yeah. And, and I think too, like there's deep healing with this practice too, right? Like if you're saying that all, all the stuff that you're saying and, and for the clients of mine that I was talking about, I think it's, it's a healing practice. Um, and it changes your, your brain and your like neural pathways as well. If you can engage in this pleasure practice, because it's literally telling yourself like, 
by making that time and carving out that time and space, like I deserve this, I deserve to have this. And with practice, with continuing to do that, you start to believe that and really embody that. So when you first start your pleasure practice, it might be really hard and you might feel like I don't deserve this and uh, maybe you'll struggle with it. But if you can keep up with it, even if it's just that minute long, that 30 seconds, like I think there's a lot of that is survival. You know, it's not just that that extra fun thing. Um, I think it's survival because it, it brings you back to a, a state where you feel like you can connect with yourself and with others. One of the affirmations that I use with my clients is I am worthy of pleasure, mm-hmm. right? We look into the mirror, we do some mirror work and we tell ourselves, I'm worthy of pleasure. You are worthy of pleasure. And I don't think people, I don't think people allow themselves that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like now that you've embraced, well, I don't want to assume that you really feel and believe that, but that I am worthy of pleasure. I think you do. Uh, but that, you know, like I said, it's a muscle. It wavers. There are some days when I feel it stronger than others. Um, but how do you feel like embracing that has changed your life and and with that, the sex that you have? Well, in my life, like I am worthy of pleasure helps me like ask for the things that I want. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I am worthy of pleasure. I'm worthy of happiness. I'm worthy of joy. Yeah. So what does it take to get that? Right. Because okay. when you don't believe that you're worthy of those things, then you don't ask for the things that you need and you don't look for the funding and you don't, you know, like imagine, okay, well, what are the resources that I could have? These are available to me. Let me like find these things, right? The world really does open up for you when you allow yourself to be worthy of the pleasure that it can experience, right? And I want to just be clear, when we talk about pleasure, we're not just talking about carnal desire, Mm -hmm. right? We are talking about joy and the way that we experience like our sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, like those things that bring us joy to our bodies and to our senses and to our emotions and to our intellect as well. What feels like the difference for you or just the expansion of like pleasure versus joy? Uh, I think, I think pleasure is a thing that we feel um, kind of in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Joy is a thing we feel in the heart. And -hmm. I think the things that we feel in the body can lead to that joy in the heart. And Oh, I kind of, I like that. So thinking of pleasure is like this is, you're experiencing the sensations that are creating a physical response. And then the joy is the really like internalizing and integration of that sensation. Exactly. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Oh man. I'm like, now I'm like, I'm like in my feels with that right now. (laughs) I love that. Totally lost my train of thought. Now I'm in my, I'm in my body. I'm experiencing joy. (laughs) Well, it's, I think it's important for us to distinguish the two because I think pleasure gets a bad rap, right? Uh, I grew up Christian, Southern Baptist Christian, and yeah, it's a bad rap, especially in like religion and in the church. And so I had to really look at what does pleasure look like outside of this like carnal sense and why is it important in my life? Like, why is it not this like Oh, why can we, why can we not do without pleasure? And it's because it's, it's, it's a direct derivative of joy. Like it is exactly like it is the physical experience of joy. And so, yeah, we need that. I am so excited to partner with OMGS for this episode. In this episode, we talk about the crucial importance of a pleasure practice. And one of my favorites is OMGS. 
You can get 10% off now at omgs.com slash S and S. I have used them and been referring clients, friends, and lovers to OMGS for years. OMGS is a website where you can discover more sexual pleasure in under five minutes. In partnership with Indiana University and Kinsey Institute researchers, OMGS interviewed and surveyed tens of thousands of people with vulvas about what's made their pleasure better physical techniques, psychological techniques, and ways of guiding partners, a true slutty scholar intersection. All of these research findings are brought to life in fun, honest videos of regular folks sharing from their own experience about what works for them. While the videos are about folks with vulvas, OMGS is for everyone who cares about more pleasure, including women, partners, and couples. Even if you feel like you are a pleasure expert and know what you like, I think it is always great to try on new techniques and ideas to keep things curious and interesting. Here's where OMGS comes in. I always end up finding something new, and that, I feel like, has allowed me to really expand my own pleasure potentials. OMGS is not a subscription site. It is a one-time payment, and you can get 10% off now at OMGS.com dot com slash s and s your contribution even goes on to fund future pleasure research learn more at omgs.com slash s a n d s omgs.com slash s and s that's 10 percent off at omgs.com slash s and s and for listeners out there if you are in religious community and wanting to like figure out more about where sex and pleasure fits in, or if you are leaving religious community, um, definitely would recommend checking out past guest Brittany Broadus and um, her uh, books. Uh, she's got a great one called My, My Vulva and Me, and then a second part, um, and just all of her her work, her TikToks, it talks all about kind of um, sex and pleasure from a, a Christian lens uh, and sort of yeah, breaking down some of the false assumptions that you can't have both. But a lot of people are taught that you can't have both. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was most helpful for you and kind of uh, breaking out? I don't want to say breaking away from that or like finding that you could, you know, ha- that pleasure was okay. Well, I learned that really early. Uh, so I, I had a really great masturbation practice since I was about 14. Uh, uh, same um, except like four. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So I think it was normalized for me at 14, but I was definitely yeah. like something couch cushions much oh, earlier than that. Right. Totally. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you could find. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and so having that masturbation routine and then being in the church and hearing them say, as we got older, they would say, Oh, if you masturbate, you'll grow hair on your palms. And so I'm looking down like, Hmm. So you caught that you caught them in the lie. Somebody's lying, right? <laughs> Did that ever scare you or you were just like like ha At that point I realized adults lie. Like they're liars. Like Whoa. they really lied to me because my hands, girl, my arms should be hairy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the couch should be hairy, my whole body should be hairy. Yeah. I do have really thick hair, I wonder. Well, me too. And so I was like, bro, if it's gonna, if there's going to be hair, like it's going to be there. I would know it by now. It's been happening for a long time. <laughs> Dang, that's, that's pretty like mature for a young person. Well, I mean, I also was like a nerd. So I was like, well, how science, if it was happen, by now, right? Correlation, I mean, causation. I had hair growing in other places. And I was like, well, if I, there's obviously no hair coming here. And so my dad actually, um, in very early in my life, like in second grade, 
Um, my dad who worked in the medical field sat me mm -hmm. down and like with Grey's Anatomy showed me like what penises and vaginas were and reproductive organs and how it works. And like, I know I, Grey's Anatomy is like a, a medical textbook, but I just think of the show. I know. <laughs> like there's no book. It's just the show. <laughs> I still have the copy of Grey's Anatomy that he wow. used and he would show it like with all the little, it's like he thought he'd thought about this for a really long time. He had like flagged all the pictures. Whoa. That's like, pretty he, cool. Especially coming from a dad. Yeah. Yeah. No, my dad was like, we were watching um, a sitcom one day and like the, there was a guy and a girl and they were like going under the covers and like, I was closing my eyes and my dad was like, what are you closing your eyes for? I was like, cause they're about to do it. And he was like, what's it? And I was like, S E X. <laughs> and he was like, and what's that? And I was like, I don't know, but adults do it and I'm not supposed to know about it. So, so he said, he told me to go get the book and I went to, and got the book and he showed me what a penis was. Like I was a hairy mm. penis, right? And he showed me like- Must have been, must have been masturbating a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he showed me what a vagina was and he showed me how babies come from and like where babies come from and how mm. sex works to make babies. And I was like, oh, like I get it. And then I promptly went to school and got suspended for telling all of the children where babies come from. Uh, see, that's so, that's so tough because it's like people need to know and they're going to learn it somewhere. And- Unfortunately, I think in our culture that has to be part of the sex ongoing conversation that parents say is like the people you meet at school might not be aware of this or this their parents might not be okay with it and the school might not be okay with it. And that's so that's ugh. They brought me into the office. I'll never forget this. They brought me into the office and they You must have been so excited to share this new information. I was. Well, all of my friends were telling me about cabbage patches and storks. And I was like, uh-uh, baby, let me tell you about penises and vaginas. So Yes. <laughs> Sex bird of whatever elementary school. Madison Spellman, shout out. Okay, yeah. I'm like, this is there. So, um, but you yeah, sent like, your kid there after? Are they more progressive now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they sat me down and they were like, yes, yeah, so you said the V word. And I was like, there's a curse word that starts with V. And I'm like, he got through that. What's the V word? And they're like, and I was like, vagina, vulva, virginity? Like, which, which one? And they were like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so much shame, just even around the words. People can't even tolerate the words. Well, they didn't even know what a vulva was. So, <laughs> and you were like, I brought my textbook. Let me show you, principal. My parents were definitely very embarrassed when that happened. And they were like, this is our fault. Like, <laughs> But that's why do you think they felt comfortable doing that? Because I hear those the Southern Baptist stuff going on, but but also this, which seems maybe kind of counter. But well, I think my dad, I'm I'm an only child my dad's only child, my mom's only child, and I'm a girl, right? And so I think my dad just really wanted me to be prepared. Mm. He wanted me to know how things work. He didn't want there to be any surprises on his end or mine, right? Um, and so this was his approach. He knew, like, I'm a, I, was a, I was always a precocious kid. So he was like, I can tell her this and she'll understand. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I, I understood so much that I made it in my profession. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. I know. I wonder what would have happened if they never brought that out. Maybe you'd be an accountant or something. <laughs> totally. Doing something I hate. <laughs>
So you also do a lot with cannabis advocation. Mm-hmm. Um, where does cannabis maybe fit in or where can it fit in with this? Yeah. So there are a lot of tools that are essential to me finding my pleasure and my joy. And cannabis was one of them because I've been using um, cannabis since I was a teenager to treat my anxiety. And I didn't realize obviously then that I was using it for those things, but um, I did know that when I did cannabis in moderation, I Mm -hmm. felt less anxious, right? Now, if I did too much, I felt more anxious. And I was like, ooh, okay, we've got to find a balance here. Yeah. And I have. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized that I had anxiety. Right? Mm. <laughs> and that and that how cannabis kind of helps with anxiety and the symptoms yeah. of anxiety. And so I was like, oh, I what is this anxiety? What is a panic attack? I I didn't realize that I'd even had those things, but I had the treatment available and I'd been using it. So mm-hmm. Um, that and like psychedelics for depression. And so one thing that I've learned about cannabis and in my cannabis advocacy, like, again, I was like a really naive kid. (laughs) And so I was like smoking with with my friends and someone was like, oh, you know, marijuana is a drug. I was like, yeah, marijuana is bad. Don't smoke marijuana. And they're like, "Mm, but this is marijuana. And I'm like, no, this is weed. What are we talking about? (laughs) Weed is not marijuana. (laughs) What are you thought it was something else? (laughs) Yes, like I didn't know. <laughs> well, because this couldn't be drugs. It makes me feel so good. Yeah, no, this is my medication. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I learned that, like, you know, the criminalization of cannabis was actually very political. Um, mm-hmm. and when I learned in school that my forefathers or our forefathers paid their taxes in hemp, which is also the cannabis plant, I was like, is that oh. true? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> there are lots of articles about how hemp was traded um, as a valuable crop and also used to pay for like debts. Interesting. Okay. So you're looking that up. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, clearly like hemp is, it's been used in clothing and rope and textiles for ages and it still is. And mm-hmm. so why would we like villainize this thing, um, especially this thing that helps so many people. And so that's how I got involved in uh, cannabis advocacy. And that's when I started learning about, like, you know, the percentage of Black and brown people who are jailed because of cannabis-related offenses, Mm. especially in places like D.C., where it is now recreationally legal, and all of those people are really just burgeoning entrepreneurs. And so um, thinking about, like, look, I love I love entrepreneurship. Like, that's my thing. I have, I'm a chronic entrepreneur. I love... And you're good at it. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I I love, like, I love cannabis. And I love helping people who, who, especially people who look like me and who have similar, like, proclivities, right, to cannabis plants. And so I started working with the DC Cannabis Campaign before it got, before we went to the vote to the to the public. And so I was their outreach coordinator. I reached out to folks. I was, I found out like, what do the residents want? We found that over 60% of the residents wanted cannabis to be legalized and we took it to the ballot. And in 2015, it was legalized. And I was like, whoo, we did it. Then I had a baby and had to distance myself from the cannabis movement because I had a baby and Mm. still a drug and cannabis. And so you, were you worried people were going to come for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I was tested without my consent when I found out that I was pregnant three times. 
It's, and that's legal. And that's legal. So, yeah, no, navigating pregnancy and cannabis advocacy was really hard. Very much. And cannabis use, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. So, Any tips for parents out there who are wanting yes. to be parents and, and navigating this? Yes. If you are a parent who is considering cannabis and pregnancy, definitely talk with a doctor. Talk with a cannabis-informed doctor. Um, there any, are- any tips for what to ask or how to find someone? For sure. Um, the Association of Cannabis Specialists has people who, like doctors, who uh, are dedicated to the advancement of cannabis and the advocacy of cannabis. Um, definitely, like, talk to your doctor. If you don't know that you're, if your doctor is a cannabis advocate, ask them before you start to divulge anything about yourself because they are mandated reporters. Uh, and there's a lot of just hairiness involved with like you know disclosing use to people who aren't cannabis advocates so and i imagine the numbers of um non-consensual testing are much higher among folks of color who are trying to be parents for sure especially if they're taking advantage of like government funded resources for sure so that kind of went on a pause when you got (laughs) pregnant for like understandable It did, but we like so. Okay, my daughter was born on the first of February, it, the and then you were like, "Okay, back at it." February second, <laughs> the legislation passed on the fifteenth. So we were. I was very grateful that like all the work that I had done, I had to distance myself, like you know, around the time that I was giving. Birth. That sucks. You that you couldn't like celebrate everything you had worked at. Yeah, but I mean, I did eventually. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks later. Yeah, I've been working in the cannabis industry to kind of help entrepreneurs go from like that grayish market to like an actual, the real market, because I just, I love that kind of stuff. That's my thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also recognize, you know, with the cannabis knowledge that I have and with the sexuality knowledge that I have, that there's a lot of benefit um, and overlap in the way that we kind of access pleasure through both cannabis and through sex, mm-hmm. right? Like and shout a- out to Ashley Manta, the canisexual who introduced us, but yeah, tell, yeah I want to hear about it from you. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, there's a great, there's some great articles um, on Ashley's website and on Foria about kind of how um, our brains kind of process orgasms and highs in the same way, right? Mm. Like our brain getting high and getting off, our brain processes those in the same way uh interesting see that that makes me concerned because i don't want those people who believe in sex addiction as a thing to come out and be like look it looks the same uh but more like the natural self-care feel good pleasure good things can be connected also and that's why like i think this demonization and criminalization of sex and of sexual desire and sexual pleasure it's in conjunction with that exactly exactly and it kind of yeah because who's to say what baseline like normal is in these senses yeah and for folks maybe tuning in for the first time um there's sort of a debate going on still in the like sexuality and mental health communities about is it sex addiction or is it out of control sexual behavior but sort of labeling um sex that feels out of control as an addiction the sort of uh, consensus in terms of like the big organizations is no and that sex addiction is not uh, a thing you can go check out my episode past episode with Dr. David Lay, the myth of sex addiction. Um, but um, there are certainly ways that sex can become 
and feel out of control for people and not be serving them in an empowered way that works and that can negatively affect their lives. Um, but that's where, that's where that's coming from. Okay. Get off my, get off my pedestal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could go off on a whole different. Yes. Right. But again, like this pleasure, negative erotophobic view of ourselves and our bodies and our lives. Like, look, we all got here from some cabbage patch storks yeah (laughs) so i'm from the stork (laughs) so yeah i just think it's um it's it's about time that we really start to have these conversations and to start really like becoming more self-aware about the ways in which we are pleasure negative and um erotophobic right? Uh, and, and why that is. Yeah. What's been maybe one of your favorite ways that you've, um, either for yourself or with a client or something you've advocated for have like seen the highest amount of pleasure in combining eroticism and cannabis. Uh, (laughs) Your whole body just changed. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm going to say it's topical use, right? Mm. Uh, so I'm a person who like most people know that you can use cannabis for like, you know, mental um, delight, if you will, like it can help with relaxation and really get your mind away from all of the like anxieties of the world. Uh, But topically, right, it's a great vasodilator. And so that helps with blood flow. And for those of us who know about sex, right? erections and arousal is all about blood flow. And so when we use cannabis products topically, especially in the genital region, it really does heighten sensations. Um, and man, that is, <laughs> you saw how much body changed? That is delightful. Yeah. <laughs> I've also found that to be, um, and I'll, I'll uh, hats off to Ashley on this one, because I remember I I'm not a huge cannabis person in terms of like um, smoking use. It just hasn't been the thing that like really feels as good for my body in that way. And trust me, I've tried. I, I definitely inhaled. I've found that it's never really been my thing, but for some partners I've had, it's really been their thing. And some of this was like narratives that I had to work on, but there were times when I would get really annoyed and even angry when a partner was wanting to like get high at the end of a long day and smoke weed when I wanted to connect with them. And I would just feel so disconnected because we were kind of on a different wavelength. I felt like it was like, what do you have to get high to want to be with me? And now I've worked on some of those. These were old narratives um, of sort of judgments I had about cannabis users and like laziness and and other things that um, aren't true. Um, But I think these topicals are a wonderful way to, and I learned this a lot from Ashley in our friendship and work together, but it's a really wonderful way to find a way to connect through that, even if you don't want to smoke or don't like smoking or ingesting. Um, like it's a way that you can really slow down and intentionally be like, I'm going to give you a rub with this CBD stuff, or we're going to take a bath with a nice CBD bath bomb, or I'm going to spray this phoria arousal spray on your genitals, give you a little genital massage, and then you, you know, take, you know, have sex together. So that there's a way to really use this intentionally in different forms to bring you together. Cause at first long time ago, I was seeing it as something that brought people apart. Yeah. One thing that I also find is that when I smoke, like after a really long day, 
once I'm done, that's when I want to connect. Or while I'm in the process, like while I'm smoking, I want to talk. I want to connect about my day, but I don't want to do it before then. Right. I haven't had a chance to like, sometimes you kind of have, like, there's a lot of things that like you kind of keep tied up tight in there. Right. And then when you get home, you kind of have to release it all. I find that cannabis kind of helps with that release. And then I'm a lot, I'm a, I'm even able to talk about like the things that give me anxiety. Right. Before I don't, I don't even want to talk about them because the anxiety has me so choked. Right. Mm -hmm. I smoke, I'm relaxed and I'm like, Hey, let me tell you about the bullshit that happened to me today. Right. It has a place for me now. I'm able to compartmentalize. Yeah. And it sounds like get into your body, which like you said earlier is good for your pleasure practice. Um, last question before we wrap up any tips for talking to kids about cannabis and or pleasure practice oh can I do both okay yeah please (laughs) Um, talking to kids it's important to talk to kids and explain to them that cannabis is medicine uh, and that just like medicine if they take it and it's not prescribed for them they can get sick right Um, that's how we talk to our kids about it and like I explained to my kids like hey this is mommy's calm down medicine so when mommy gets home, mommy has to come down and then we can talk. Right. And mm. so I think if you're just upfront with your children, if you try to like, <clears throat> I don't I like, obviously we're not like ingesting or smoking in their presence. Right. But if you explain to them like what it is and why you do the things that you do, they are less curious about like, oh, let me do this thing for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So again, the education piece. Very important. It's really important. And then for pleasure practice. And then um, hopefully they bring it to school and show their principal and their friends and give them, give them a lesson about (laughs) cannabis. (laughs) My mom taught me this. Oh God, no. (laughs) (laughs) This cycle repeats at whatever elementary. (laughs) And now I'm raising the world's next cannabis advocate. Yes, totally. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the other thing that I wanted to say about pleasure practices is I believe in this concept of Kaizen. Are you familiar with it? I don't think so. Kaizen? Mm-hmm. It's spelled K-A-I-Z-E-N. And basically it's this Japanese method of introducing small changes to make a big change in your life, Right. And so if you're a person who's like, pleasure practice, what's that? Can't do that. No time for that. I think like the white cognitive behavioral version is smart goals. You take a small, like just like one, like you have your big goal and what are like one or one or two things that you can do right now that'll get you just a small step towards that goal, Mm -hmm. right? And do that thing. And so if your goal, if you're like, ah, I want to have a pleasure practice, right? What is one thing you can spend five minutes, three minutes doing right now today that you can start to incorporate in your pleasure practice, right? And I try to do it with like something that I'm already doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a skincare routine. I like to look pretty. So I wash my face and I do a toner and I do a moisturizer, right? Well, part of like my pleasure practice is I use rose water as my toner and I make Mm -hmm. it myself and I put Mm. a little glycerin in there and like it it really does like it makes my face smell like roses all day and that's like a thing that I look forward to in the morning and that's how I do my like that's how I kind of convince myself to do my facial practice every day because I'm looking forward to this rose water that I made with care for myself Mm -hmm. 
So I think if I could impart wisdom about pleasure practices, it would be to just smart, start small, even if it's as simple as like spraying rose water on your face, like a few seconds a day. It takes no time to incorporate a little pleasure into what you're already doing. Yeah. So helping your kids find a small Kaizen inspired um, pleasure practice, again, does not have to be sexual or erotic, but something that helps them get to know what their yeses are and then commit time to that. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am so excited to partner with OMG Yes for this episode. In this episode, we talk about the crucial importance of a pleasure practice. And one of my favorites is OMG Yes. You can get 10% off now at omgs.com slash S and S. I have used them and been referring clients, friends, and lovers to OMGS for years. OMGS is a website where you can discover more sexual pleasure in under five minutes. In partnership with Indiana University and Kinsey Institute researchers, OMGS interviewed and surveyed tens of thousands of people with vulvas about what's made their pleasure better, physical techniques, psychological techniques, and ways of guiding partners, a true slutty scholar intersection. All of these research findings are brought to life in fun, honest videos of regular folks sharing from their own experience about what works for them. While the videos are about folks with vulvas, OMGS is for everyone who cares about more pleasure, including women, partners, and couples. Even if you feel like you are a pleasure expert and know what you like, I think it is always great to try on new techniques and ideas to keep things curious and interesting. Here's where OMGS comes in. I always end up finding something new, and that, I feel like, has allowed me to really expand my own pleasure potentials. OMGS is not a subscription site. It is a one-time payment, and you can get 10% off now at OMGS.com dot com slash s and s your contribution even goes on to fund future pleasure research learn more at omgs.com slash s a n d s omgs.com slash s and s that's 10 percent off at omgs.com slash s and s well reva thank you so much for joining um how can folks uh find you hire you uh all the things so you can find me personally at my website online www.rebathediva.com and on all things social i'm reba the diva if you want some uh sex education classes you can find us at sexpertconsultants.com and if you want to see a cool new show that i'm working on you can go to gulpgroup.com and tell me what you think oh what is gulp group So it's a show that i'm doing with a uh, partner of mine she is in the speech language um field. She's a swallowologist. Uh, and we together do a show about called The Gulp, gaining understanding about lovemaking and physiology. Yeah. AKA deep throat doctor. Hey, exactly. <laughs> swallowologist. Swallowologist. I love that word. Swallowologist. Uh, wow. Okay. Yep. Cool. Check out, <laughs> check out the gulp. Yes. <laughs> um, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at sluts and scholars on Twitter at sluts scholars. Uh, you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts and uh, at sluts and scholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review preferably a nice one um, and check out the advertiser discounts. Thank you. Scholars.